So it's, it's New Year's. Happy New Year. Uh, and I just wanted to ask you, uh, what do you think New Year's is about? What comes to your mind when you think of New Year's? Is there some image or some tradition that, um, that really, uh, really represents New Year's to you? Broken resolutions. <laughs> that's, that's really true. And I, I don't know if you were listening to me when I was practicing my, practicing my sermon, but uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Anything else? Exercise, yeah, or or no exercise. <laughs> New beginnings, absolutely. Trying to stay awake. Yeah, I, I can tell you uh, without a doubt that my neck, my neighbors downstairs and my neighbors next door had no problem at all staying awake till midnight, and then no problem at all staying awake till one and two, and uh, and they were having a great time. So. Uh, uh, I'm glad, I guess. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a weird holiday for me. I don't I don't get the ball drop thing. What what does that mean? <laughs> what is it? What, what does that represent? And uh, it's I don't know. As we have these other holidays like Christmas, and it's really obvious what that means. It's really obvious what Fourth of July means. Even silly ones like Valentine's Day. It's really obvious what Valentine's Day is about, but it's not really obvious what New Year's is about. It's just, Seems like it's an arbitrary date that we've, we've set up, and we don't know why, but there's really something about it. You know, every culture has a New Year's tradition. And when I think about New Year's, I think about repentance. And, and is, is that a weird thing to think about with New Year's, is repentance? Um, maybe not when you think about my neighbors, or uh, when you think about some of the other things people were doing last night. Uh, maybe repentance is the thing that you should be thinking about on New Year's. <laughs> but no, that's not what I mean. I mean, in a really secular way, in the, in, the most, in the most way of any other day in our secular world, New Year's is about repentance. You know, not repentance as far as, you know, in the secular way in relation to God, but people are trying to change their lives. They're trying to be something that they're not. They're looking at the past and saying, this is what I want to be different about my life, and this is how I'm going to go forward. It's about reconciliation. It's about community. It's about being with the people that matter most to you. It's a, it, at its most noble, at its very best, it's about not letting time, not letting, not letting our sin get in the way of the relationships that we have with other people. You can see it on the, on the TV as you watch uh, Times Square, you know, all these people are gathered together and, and they're there in community. And, you know, these people two, day, two days ago were screaming at each other in traffic. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're walking past each other on the street and, and not even giving each other the time of, the day, the time of day. They, they weren't even acknowledging each other's existence two days ago. But here they are, they're arm in arm, they're singing all Lang Syne. You know, and, and, and there's just, you know, obviously there's a lot of stuff going on there other than that. But I think a big part of it is community. People have this longing that they're not getting filled. And, and they're searching. They're looking for it. And you can see that it's cold from home. Maybe not this year as much as other years. Maybe that's why they're all huddled together. But it's just something about all the people huddled together that I think is really unique and profound in our culture. You know, um, 
They stand united. Somehow they see that they're in it together. They refuse to let time wear away the bonds between them. The celebration continues around the world. You know, as, as, they, um, as, as the night wears on, they show you these clips from around the world of all the people gathered in all these places like Moscow and Paris. And, and, you, and you see these people. And it's, it's something, I don't know, there's, there's, in every culture there's, in almost every culture, there's a New Year's tradition of some kind. And I just think that's really interesting. For a holiday that I can't really grasp the meaning of, everybody finds some meaning in it. And it's really interesting. It's about community, even on a global level. It's about reconciliation. People are just people on this night. You know, um, it, it, it's, there's something about it that you, that's, that's hard to understand. You know, uh, one of the traditions that's, that's oldest is cleaning house. Uh, it's a big part of the Chinese New Year. Um, my family, in part, is Scottish, and it's a big part of the Scottish tradition. And, um, and, and so what they, they'll literally clean the house, but there's also a representation of it, of cleaning your spiritual house, cleaning your relationships. And, and I, think that, um, I think there's something profound in that. Um, I think that it's about repentance. Even the people that don't know about God, even the people don't know that God exists or deny that God exists, so they recognize something in themselves. They recognize their need for repentance. And and uh, in some of the countries in uh, South America, they actually take a bucket of water and throw a bucket of water out the window. And uh, it represents re- uh, that spiritual cleansing. In, in Thailand, they take it even farther. Um, and it started with this tradition of throwing a bucket of water out the window. And it, and it turned into like a nationwide squirking fight. Where... <laughs> It's, it's pretty crazy. I was reading about it. And it's during the hottest time of the year there, which is hot there anyway. And, but uh, I, I just think that sounds like a lot of fun. You know, everybody gets on. I can't imagine having a water fight with an elephant. You know, it's kind of not very fair if you're that kid in that truck. <laughs> but, you know, it, all this stems from that deep need to be cleansed. The root of all is the same. We feel it in our hearts. We just know that it's true. You know, we, we know that our lives aren't what they should be. Unless you're like Calvin. Calvin says, resolutions? Me? What are you implying? That I need to change? Well, buddy, as far as I'm concerned, I'm perfect the way that I am. You know, <laughs> you know a couple of people like that? <laughs> are you like that? I, I'm, I'm a little like that sometimes. <laughs> you know, but... Um, I don't know. I, I think most of us, even when we're in denial like that, can recognize that there's something about us that needs to change. Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish celebration of New Year. Um, and one of the traditions is uh, it's called Tashlik, uh, it's, which is literally means casting off. Um, they gather at the river on the first day of the year, uh, and, and um, it, it represents judgment, but also represents a time of reflection on, on their sin. And what they do is they cast bread into the water. Uh, and the bread represents their sin. They're casting their sin into the sea or into the river. And, and they read the Old Testament book of Micah. It says, You will again have compassion on us, God. You will tread our sins underfoot 
and you will hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham as you pledged an oath to our ancestors in the days of long ago. By the river, they confess their sins and repent. What does that remind you of? What does that remind you of? Go down to the river and confess your sins and repent. It reminds you of baptism. You know, it, it, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's, on the surface, it seems like this silly holiday with balls dropping and uh, too much drinking. And, but there's something meaningful to it, too. You know, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea was going out to him. And all the people of Jerusalem, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins, says Mark. In the first century, they had that same inclination, the same recognition of the need to repent. It's deep-seated. It's a need to be connected with God in a way that we know we aren't. It's a need to be cleansed. Jesus was baptized. If you think about baptism as, the, as repentance and forgiveness of sins, what does it mean that sinless Jesus was baptized? What do you think? Why was Jesus baptized? Jesus didn't have any sin. What does it mean? I, it's, it's a tough question. I don't know. We'll, we'll come back to it. But think about it. Think about why, why would Jesus need to, to repent? Why would Jesus even take part in that? All these diverse cultures from far-flung parts of the world united in their need to be cleansed. We are united in our need. We are united in our need for forgiveness. We are together in our longing, longing to be cleansed. That's the unity part of New Year's. It's like that legend of the Dutch boy, right? Have you heard this? Uh, there's this Dutch boy, and he stuck his finger in the, in the dam that was leaking, and he saved the town, right? That's how we are with our lives, except there's these other leaks that are springing up, so we stick a finger over here, and, and then another leak springs up, so then we stick our toe in over here, and, and you know, we, we, want, we think we got it okay when, when it's one, and we think we got our stuff together, and we think we're doing pretty good. But when, when, you, when you got like, you know, and you got your pinky in one, and you got your toe in one, and you, it, it, we have to admit that we don't have our lives together. You know, some of us are really good at the denial part of it. But if we're honest with ourselves, you know, the first step in the 12 steps of recovery is to recognize that you are powerless to change your life. It's, it's to recognize your need to, to have somebody else with you. It's to recognize your need for God. To recognize that your life is unmanageable. That's not a lesson for alcoholics. That's a lesson for each of us. That's a lesson for me. <laughs> if, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever done public speaking, but if you want to feel like your life is unmanageable, stand up here and <laughs> try to talk to people. I kind of feel like my life is unmanageable right now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I take comfort in being able to share that with you. <laughs> The leaks are springing up, you know. The dam is, the dam is coming down, and I got my fingers out. And but it's just not. I I, I need to recognize my own inability to 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 plug up all the leaks. The people in Times Square were as united as they could be, as they all stood and 
saying, All Lang Syne. They stood together. They stood shoulder to shoulder. They stood with strangers. But today, they're back in traffic yelling at each other again. <laughs> they're back uh, on the street not recognizing each other, not acknowledging each other. Already. <laughs> you know, it's 10.30, right? Give or take. How's your New Year's resolution going so far? <laughs> you know, I, I think we... we uh, we put too much pressure on ourselves because even though we have the best intentions, it really isn't on us to, to fix our lives. It's not on ourselves to make things right. What do you think? How many people do you think uh, hold their New Year's resolution to a month? How many, what percentage do you think? Oh, man, you, got, you guys are harder on people than I was, but it's, it's uh, 64%. And... Six months, 26%. Uh, in the end, only 3 to 8% make a lifestyle change. Uh, I'm not against New Year's resolutions. I'm not telling you to not make a New Year's resolution. Really, though, if, if you set goals for yourself, you're going to do a better job of, of accomplishing your, your, what you need to do to, to improve your life. So you should set goals. But you also have to recognize that inability of yourself to, to manage your life. We're desperate for a fresh start. We're groping in the dark and nothing sticks. Restoration wherever we can. We're trying to get it, but nothing takes hold. We want community, but everything around us is shallow. We want meaning and permanence, but everything is fleeting and insignificant. There's no reconciliation to be found. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't make New Year's resolutions. But I'm saying, if you, if you want real meaningful change in your life, look to the scripture passage that we read today. Look what Paul tells us. Paul reveals God's heart to us. The Greek word for reconciliation is used five times in the text today. We only read six verses. <laughs> the Greek word for reconciliation used five times. It's God will, God's will that we turn back to Him. It's God's will we open our hearts to each other. It's God's will that we be reconciled with the person that God would have us be. Paul is begging us, please be reconciled with God. Our response is sincere. We're trying. I'm trying, Paul. I'm trying, God. But again and again, I fall. Again and again, I fail. If it's fully on me to fix myself, how far am I going to get? Paul's not giving us a command. He's not saying, be reconciled with God. You better be reconciled with God. You better do it. Come on, get your stuff together. Paul's giving us a promise. This is from our reading today. And all of this gift, all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them, but he has put in us this word of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be sin for us, so that we could be made right through Christ. Who is reconciling the world to God? God is. Through Jesus Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself. 
Do you hear it? In Christ, you are a new creation. The old has already passed. The old is gone. The new is here. He uses the past tense. Do you hear that? He says, God is reconciling the world to himself. For God has made Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. God has given us this task. For God was in Christ. And he has put the word of reconciliation in us. He has put. You are a new creation. The old has passed. It's past tense. How can this be? I don't feel like a new creation a lot of the time. I don't know about you. Why was Jesus baptized? It comes back to that. Why was Jesus baptized? All right, this is going to be a shocker. It's a shocker for me when I figured it out. So don't storm out and (laughs) don't look for something to throw at me. But Jesus Christ was baptized so that he could become a sinner. Jesus Christ became a sinner in his baptism. That's what his baptism is about. The difference is that Jesus Christ's sin isn't his sin, it's my sin. It says right here in our text for today, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we could be his righteousness. Why would the sinless Christ need to be baptized? Because baptism is the beginning of Christ becoming not sinless anymore. In Galatians, Paul says, sin is a curse, and Christ became a curse on our behalf. In Isaiah Isaiah 53, it talks about God laid the iniquity of us all on him. We all like sheep have gone astray, but God put our sin on Jesus Christ. By his wounds we are healed. The Bible tells us that Jesus comes like a thief in the night. We don't like that Jesus Christ is impure. We don't like to think about that. We want Jesus who is pure. How can he save us? How can he be Jesus Christ for us if he's, if he's not sinless? But Jesus comes like a thief in the night. What's a thief do? A thief comes and takes what isn't his. He's a good thief. He's like any other thief. Jesus is coming to you, and he's taking what isn't his. He's taking your shame. He's saying, this shame is my shame now. Jesus comes like a thief in the night. Jesus comes, and he takes your addiction. He says, this addiction is mine now. This addiction does not belong to you anymore. He comes, and he takes your guilt. He takes your greed. He takes your selfishness. He rips it out of your hands. He's going through your drawers. He's going through your closets. He's digging up all the stuff that you've got buried in the backyard. All the stuff that you hope would never ever see the light of day ever again. Jesus is digging it up. And he's taking it from you. He says, this doesn't belong to me anymore. This doesn't belong to you anymore. This belongs to me. Unlike any other thief though, he doesn't leave you empty. Take a look at this video. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on your behalf so that you could be his righteousness. Did you catch that line at the end? He's clothed me anew. 
And I'm a wonder beside him. I see you all. I see you as wonders. Our scripture for date says we regard no one according to the flesh. God looks at you and sees a wonder. You are a wonder in what Christ has done. You are glorious beside the Christ who has taken your sin. You are glorious. Hear the word. This is for you. You are glorious in Christ. Think about it. What were you? What's your used to be? Are you an adulterer? You're not anymore because Christ is for you. Are you a liar? You're not a liar anymore. Stop lying. You're not a liar anymore. It's not your identity. Christ is a liar for you. Were you a deadbeat dad? You're not anymore. You're not. Christ is a deadbeat dad for you. This is all done for you. That's what this is all about. This right here. In the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus Christ became the betrayer. In the night in which he was tried, he was tried as somebody that blasphemed God. He became the, he became the blasphemer. In the night in which he was, he, was, he was crucified as a criminal, as someone who's guilty, he did that for you who's guilty. You aren't guilty anymore because of what Christ has done. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ, he took this bread. He broke it and he gave thanks. And he said, this bread is my body. It's given for you. For the forgiveness of your sins, do this in remembrance of me. And again after the supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. It's shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of their sins. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the promise. Hear the promise. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.